Hello, and welcome to episode 19 of the Yay for Business podcast. I'm Courtney Shaw, your host, and today's episode is all about people-pleasing. Okay, friends, this is a really seriously important episode. This is one of those episodes I know that I'm going to be sending people to for probably years to come. And I'm going to encourage you, if people pleasing is something you already know you struggle with, to like just bookmark this episode, bookmark the blog post for this, share it with people who you know are struggling most women entrepreneurs. Um, and yes, of course, that helps me to get this podcast out there. But I just, I'm so passionate about reframing this concept because I think so many of us, we we want to stop people pleasing. But at the same time, there's a huge part of our brains that think it's a good thing that we're a good person. And so we people please because we're good people. And I think that's kind of the root of the problem. And I've talked about that in past episodes, not necessarily with people pleasing, but just with other things when we believe that, you know, I'm a good person and a good person would do X. A good person would be, you know, accessible to their clients all the time. A good person, you know, will do everything for their kids and not make them do anything by themselves. And a good person would, um, you know, I'm trying to think of more examples, but We can tend to go in these directions where we actually end up not helping people. We have this intention of being helpful, um, but we end up having the opposite results, okay? And that is definitely true with people pleasing. So I know if you're listening to this episode, if you turn this on, then and you identify as a people pleaser, or you know that you have some tendencies towards people pleasing, which, hey, who doesn't? Even I do. um, That you are a good person. And that's not even like a question. So what we want to do is we want to try to dismantle this connection between, you know, because I'm a good person, that means X. Okay. That's what we're trying to kind of slowly get through here. So I'm going to share a lot about this topic, but what I want to do first is I want to dive into two core myths of people pleasing. I think these myths are why we continue to do it is because we buy into these beliefs, okay? The first myth is about the motivation of people-pleasing, and this is the most important one. We believe that we are motivated to people-please and that we do it because we want to make other people happy. But that's not why we people-please. It's not making other people happy. The real reason that people people (laughs) people-please is because they want to control how other people think of them. They want other people to like them. 100% of the time, no exception. And this need to control how other people are feeling about you, because that's really what it's about. It's not about caring about other people. It's not about trying to help other people. It's not about being of service at the end of the day. Now, I'm not saying that you're not someone who wants to care about other people and wants to help them get results. I'm saying that there's this belief that by doing people-pleasing, we're going to get there. That is causing you to continue to people-please when you see it's not your fault that you don't you don't see this yet, but when you do see this reframe, the truth that people pleasers are actually trying to get other people to like them, it's actually a very selfish motivation um, and a very ego-driven motivation, then all of a sudden, you don't want to do it anymore. 
This is a crucial reframe, okay? So that's the first lie and the first myth about people pleasing that we've all been taught and told and, and, and absorbed is that the motivation behind it is to please other people. It's not. We please other people so that they'll like us and then we can feel good about ourselves. It's incredibly manipulative and it's a lie. It's dishonest, which is something I'm gonna be talking about a lot, is the dishonesty of people pleasing. The second myth or lie of people pleasing is the result it creates. We believe that when we we do things, we make ourselves overly accessible, we don't have boundaries, we say yes to everything, uh, we don't put our own needs first, that it does make other people happy. When I respond to that client email at 11.30 p.m. on a Friday, that it's making the client happy. It doesn't. It doesn't make the client happy. The client is absolutely neutral about that, okay? It has nothing to do with that. Now, I'm gonna go even deeper. There's an assumption here that you have control over how other people feel. It's, again, this ego thing around like, this control ego thing around like, I can control other people's emotions. What? Absolutely not. But not only that, Like, it doesn't make other people happy when you do this. In fact, it makes other people really frustrated because it is dishonest and it's confusing. And what ends up happening when you people please is, and I've worked with people who are people pleasers, and it makes me so frustrated because I never know what they're really thinking or feeling. And then you come to find out that this person is super frustrated because, you know, they bent over backwards for you and you weren't grateful for it, but you didn't even realize they were bending over backwards because they just do that all the time for everybody. So then it feels like dishonest and it hurts relationships because as a people pleaser, you're not being honest about how you feel. So the other person doesn't know that you're like, resentful for, you know, and we could talk about all relationships, but let's talk about client service provider relationships. That client doesn't know that you're resentful about answering your email. They didn't ask you to do it. They just sent the email. And even if they did ask you to do it and you do it, that's your problem, not their problem. They're allowed to ask. You're allowed to say no. You got to let adults do their own thing and make their own decisions and have autonomy. But it really doesn't make the other person happy. It ends up ultimately always exploding in your face at the end of the day of you get resentful, the other person has no idea, and then it just becomes this big drama fest, okay? So both the motivation of people-pleasing and the result of people-pleasing are the opposite of what you might think they are. It is not selfless, it is selfish, it is not honest, it is dishonest, it does not make people happy, it makes them frustrated and bruise distrust, okay? It creates a difficulty to have healthy relationships, even in client service provider relationships, because you can't trust someone who's always trying to please everyone. It's very manipulative behavior, okay? Now, that was really harsh, but I wanted to go there because there's this narrative around people-pleasing that is unhelpful, that, oh, we do it because we care about other people. And so it's really hard to stop doing something when you think you do it because you care about other people. When you realize you're not doing it because you care about other people, you're doing it because of fear, um, that's okay. I want you to have a lot of self-compassion for the fact that you people please. I don't want you to like beat yourself up about that either. That's not my intention, but I 
do want to be harsh about it because I do think with something like this, we got to rip it out from the root. Um, and I know that those of you listening, that people in my audience are good effing people. They are like people who care so much. And so I want to make sure that you understand that doing this behavior is not helping your clients or your customers. Okay. You are enabling them. Uh, you're creating codependency, doing all kinds of toxic, not helpful things. Okay. So I am not going to pretend to even kind of know what the root cause of your pattern of people pleasing is. I'm not going to go there. I'm not a psychotherapist, not my job. Even if I was, how could I possibly know what's coming up for you? But I do want to tell you a little bit about how the people-pleasing cycle of doom showed up for me so you can kind of see how this cycle works. And then I'm going to walk through the five main ways that people-pleasing shows up for service providers in particular. Now, first, this people-pleasing cycle of doom, it's been a long time since I've been really trapped on it because I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson the hard way, as most of us do. I think it's kind of necessary with this one. Um, it's hard for me to even put myself back there in a little bit because it's so cringy to me. Um, and I, I, that's why I cringe so much when I see other people people-pleasing. And there's so much freedom on the other side. Oh, it's incredible. And also, it's not just like, oh my God, I just tell everyone no and they're mad at me and I don't care. It's actually, I tell people no or I'm honest with them and they respect it more and everyone's happier and we all get what we want. Like, it's amazing, okay? So what happened for me is that way back in the day, I would get clients. Now, if you don't know my backstory, I'm just roughly gonna share with you. Um, I started my quote unquote business. I was doing a bunch of random things, a hodgepodge of different things. I, um, I was a resume writer. I was tutoring um, like AP English. I was tutoring French. I was, um, what else was I doing? Shoot. Uh, I was doing copywriting a little bit. I was, it was a lot of random stuff. Okay. So I got a client for my resume revamp service. This must've been like 2012 or 2013 or something like that. I got a, a, a client for my resume writing service and this client paid me like, I don't know, Honestly, I, I think like $50. <laughs> like, I'm shocked even saying that. That was like, woo, that's a throwback. Um, or something ridiculous, like maybe a hundred dollars. And I kept sending her her resume. And in the email, when I would send her the final resume, I would say, let me know if you need anything else. And every time I would send her an email, she would write back asking for more changes. And it happened a couple times and I was like, okay, this is it. Then she's done. Like, that's obvious. Like, that's normal. She'll know that like, that's enough. You can stop asking for changes now. And it didn't stop. And, and, and you know, my memory is probably very incorrect here, but it feels like it happened like like three times. And then the fourth time she asked for changes, I, I lost my mind. I was like, are you kidding me, woman? And I was, I was crying about this to my mom. And my mom has a lot of experience in management. Um, she's kind of the person I have always gone to for help with this sort of thing. And I was like, this woman, she doesn't understand. Da, da, da. And my mom's like, okay, well, let me see the email that you're sending her. So I showed her the email and my mom goes, well, you said, let me know if you need anything else. And so she's letting you know. And I was like, well, she should know that like, I'm like, this is it. Like she should know it's ridiculous that she keeps asking. Like, yeah, a couple of revisions is fine, but like, come on. And my mom's like, 
No, that's not how it works, Courtney. Like, you weren't, were you clear about that? Did you tell her there were only a certain amount of revisions? Well, no, but she should know. And this is where people pleasers go is we get in this righteousness of like, people should know better and they should know how to treat other people and they should know that this is it. And that is a telltale sign. That is some soapbox resentment drama, okay? And I was in that. I've seen other people in that. I see it a lot with Enneagram 2s because Enneagram 2s are classic people people pleasers. And by the way, you can you can heal that. My mom is an Enneagram 2, and I know lots of Enneagram 2s now that have great boundaries, but you got to work on it seriously. And so I ended up learning that I needed to be clearer with that boundary. Now, in next week's episode, we're going to talk about boundaries. But what I want to get at here is that is that even after that, now that was a huge learning moment for me or in the early days of my business, but even after I started doing copywriting and stuff, I would have this sense of, you know, if someone was paying me, you know, $1,200 to write all the copy for their website, or even I think in the beginning, it was like $750 to write all the copy for their website, ridiculously low priced. Um, I felt like I had to give them everything in the kitchen sink to warrant that price. And then I felt like if that client is asking something for me or they're emailing me or whatever it is, then I have to... I I owe them that I have to do that because they're paying me. And I literally feel nauseous even saying that right now because it is so, it's so insane. That is such a ridiculous connection that someone paid you $1,000 and so now you owe them every second of your day. I mean, just listen to that. Like, do you really believe that to be true? Nobody would say yes to that. That's, that doesn't make any sense. But for some reason, when we start businesses, we kind of get caught up in that. So what would happen for me and how this played out was that I would check my email at all different times of day. And then if a client had sent me an email, like telling me things they didn't like about their copy or changes, by the way, perfectly normal, I would get just so sucked into it. It would derail my whole day. And then I would get frustrated and resentful and feel like I had to reply to them immediately, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, Here's what had to happen is I had to see that doing that that way was not in service of my clients, that just because someone sends an email doesn't mean you have to reply to it when you see it, and that you need to have very clear communication with people about what you expect what your boundaries are, et cetera. Now, again, next week's episode, we're gonna go over very specific boundaries you need to have in place as a service-based business owner. Like, we're gonna go very specific. What are the boundaries you need to set Um, so you can actually make a list and make sure you're doing all those things? But I just really had to come to the conclusion that service, being of service to my clients was a much higher calling than being a people pleaser to my clients. And that by people pleasing my clients, I was not serving my clients, not at all. I was hurting them. I was creating a codependent relationship and treating them like children, okay? So that said, I wanna talk about these five main ways that people-pleasing shows up for service providers. Like what specifically does bending over backwards look like? So here's some things that I see entrepreneurs do in an effort to please their clients. The first one is over-customizing your services. Now, this over-customizing, it often comes from the belief that every client's unique and every client requires a unique package and people are going to be mad if I don't give them a custom package. And all of that is wrong. All of that is incorrect. I've taught hundreds of entrepreneurs. I've done this myself. This is my expertise. None of that is true at all whatsoever. In fact, again, the opposite is true. By customizing your services, you're making it harder to sell and you actually look less pro and more amateur when you do it. 
Now, this might look like writing custom proposals. I never recommend this. If you've already worked with at least like three clients in your field, it's time to stop doing custom proposals. Not about it. If you're in a high-end agency and you do some things like a little bit customized, sometimes that's a whole different animal. But for the people who I talk to, for my audience, online entrepreneurs, we need to stop writing custom proposals. The first thing we do with our clients inside of Yay for 100K is we get their signature service um, either created or if it's already created, streamlined. Um, and once it is created, streamlined so that we can make it really breezy to deliver. Um, over customizing can look like adding extras to your services to sweeten the pot. So like I said, everything in the kitchen sink. As a new copywriter, for example, I would write proposals for clients who needed website copy. And then I would include a random offer in the proposal to write all of their social media bios because writing their website copy couldn't possibly be enough. So I just had to throw in all this random shit to make it worth it. Just crazy. Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, and, and with along the same lines, it can look like increasing the scope of the project because you don't think the client will say yes if you don't do everything that they ask for. So um, scope creep can look like, and this happens to a lot of service providers that we work with, where, for example, somebody is like a social media expert, like they they specialize in Instagram, and then they feel like, well, then I have to be an expert at sales because like they're using Instagram to sell their services. So then I can't just like teach them Instagram and then I have to teach them sales. It's the equivalent of me as a copywriter being like, well, I wrote their website copy, but now they need a website. So I also need to build their website too. Now that they have a website, I need to help them get traffic to it. Like, no, you do the one thing. That's it. Like, that's not how it works. That is always interesting when I see that. But like, yeah, don't do that. Um, Don't offer to do more than the scope of your niche. All right, the second way that um, people-pleasing can show up for service providers is undercharging for services. Now, I talked about this in depth in last week's episode on how to price your services, gave you guys a copy of our client capacity and pricing calculator, which is literally what we give our high-end clients. So if you haven't gotten your copy of that, make sure to go to CourtneyShaw.com forward slash calculator, listen to last week's episode and have your mind blown by that calculator. It's amazing. But here's how undercharging shows up and why it's people-pleasing. You worry that clients aren't going to say yes to working with you unless you're the most affordable option. I get it. I, I lived there for probably two or three years. I totally get it. And because of that, you don't charge as much as you know you want to, or maybe you should. Um, and you see other people charging good rates, but you're like, yeah, but not me. Like, I'm not good enough yet. I don't have enough expertise. I don't have enough experience. I don't I haven't worked with enough clients. And so Maybe this has happened where like you've sent a proposal and people didn't respond or they said no or people have told you you're too expensive um, or they're not they don't have the budget for you. And I talked about this last week, but like that's good. Most people aren't going to work with you. It's never about the price. It's about the positioning and the packaging and the marketing. Okay. So that's what you need to work on. That's what we do with our clients inside of Yay for 100K. It's all about how do we attract the right clients and how do we communicate the messaging of our signature service and then eventually our signature program, which is just based on the signature service anyway, to ensure that the price is a no-brainer. It's never about taking the price down. You're not going to make more money because you have a lower price. You're going to make less money because you have a lower price. I know it seems like, oh, if I cut the price in half, I'll get more clients. No, that's not how it works. What you're doing is you're just creating a bigger problem and you're not addressing the real issue, which was the marketing and the positioning. That's what we need to address, okay? Um, 
So that's the second way that people pleasing can show up is undercharging for your services. And again, that client capacity calculator will show you what you need to be charging to hit your revenue goals. So I want to make sure you get that. Again, it's at CourtneyShaw.com forward slash calculator. We'll put the link in the show notes for this episode as well. The third way that people pleasing shows up for service providers is saying yes to PETA or pain in the ass clients. So like I said, PETA stands for pain in the ass. If you're in my world, you'll hear me say that a lot. We talk a lot about PETA clients. These are the clients that push your boundaries. They make ridiculous requests. Sometimes it's because you are not clear on your communication. And sometimes it's because like you really did get a little wackadoodle client. Like, and they really are like, we've had a few people that I'm just like, oh man, how do you live in the world? But most people, it's because you don't have boundaries. But the other thing is like in that boundary is saying yes to people who aren't a good fit to work with you and feeling like you have to say yes to everybody. We've all had PETA clients before. We've all been PETA clients before. Don't lie. You've yelled at the airline like phone operator when your flight was delayed. Don't lie. (laughs) When you fuel your business, With the desperation to make money, you have no choice but to say yes to less than ideal clients. Um, And this is what I call the feast and famine cycle, is when you go to find clients because you're desperate to make money. It causes you to make desperate decisions that then just keep you on this cycle of having a client that's not so good and then having to find another client and customizing. It's super inefficient and you're not charging enough and like you might as well just get a job at that point. Like there's, it's, it's so painful and so awful to be on that cycle. So we don't want to do that anymore. Your fear of setting boundaries and expectations with your clients is also increasing the likelihood that perfectly good clients will become PETA clients. So I'm not gonna lie. I recently worked with someone, and I'm not gonna give time frame, but like I recently worked with someone that was just not very clear on how I was supposed to do things. And so I don't do things. I didn't know where I was supposed to put things. I didn't know what I needed to do. I didn't know what it was expected of me. So like, I don't do anything, right? Um. So in that case, that service provider might think like, oh, Courtney, like, what the heck? Like, you're supposed to do this, that, and that because because the service provider makes a lot of assumptions, and I know this because I work with service providers, that like the client knows what they want and I'm just there to like do what the client wants. Not true. The client is hiring you because they want you to tell them what to do, especially if you work with entrepreneurs. But even if you don't work with entrepreneurs, someone is coming to you for your expertise because they need you. They want you to be in charge. They want to take a load off, okay? So you need to stop expecting the client to be in charge of everything because they will be in charge and they will tell you what to do and then you'll be resentful. The way to change that is to change the power dynamic and make yourself in charge of the service. People will love it, okay? So that's the third way that people-pleasing comes up. Uh, The fourth way is saying yes to things you don't want to do. Now, I did an Instagram post a while back where I wrote something like, Uh, just because someone's willing to pay you doesn't mean you have to do it. Like I had a friend who reached out to like, wanted me to like give her advice on something and was like, and I'll pay you for it. And I was like, A, that's not what I do. B, I don't want to do it. C, like, no, it's just like, no. (laughs) So then I realized we, we have this thing in our culture where it's like, oh, but they're going to pay me. So now I feel guilty if I don't do it. Like you're not 
like, they don't own you. Like, what the heck? We've got to stop giving our power away to everyone else. I don't care if it's a friend or a stranger or your mom or whoever. You don't just have to do something because someone's incentivizing you to do it. Stop giving away your power. Now, let's say you're a career coach and you're on a call with a prospective client when they ask, you know, oh, do you offer unlimited email support? And then you're like, oh my God, they want me to offer unlimited email support. Like they're not going to work with me if I don't give them that. And so a wave of fear runs through your body. You're convinced that if you say no, the client won't work with you. You've made assumptions that A, the client knows what they need. They don't. They know the result they want and the problem they have. You are the effing expert. You tell them what they're going to get to solve that problem. Be in charge. Take initiative. That's what they want. And the other thing you're assuming, B, is that the fact that they're asking this question means it's a must have. And that's not true. If you've never offered unlimited email support before and now like, but now it feels utterly necessary because this one person asked for it, you are being an amateur. The answer is no, I don't offer that. (laughs) That's it. But if you're on the feast and famine cycle and you're like, but I need the money, you're going to say yes, and then you're going to continue to be on the cycle. Now, I see this happen a lot with folks, and I have to be delicate how I say this because I don't want people to feel like if they don't have the money to work with us, then I'm like judging them because I'm not. I'm, I'm not at all. Um, totally. I, I keep my hands out of people's pocketbooks. I, I don't worry about that. What I do see a lot, I see this pattern of people being like, I want to work with you, but first I need to get the clients to have the money to do it. And I'm like, but the whole point of working with us is to get the clients in a way that's going to be even more effective, make you even more money and make your money back faster. So like, which is more logical? Now, it's up to each person to make their own decision, but I see this weird kind of logic happening where... People spend months, and they will, they'll spend months being like, I want to work with you, I want to work with you. And months and months will go by because they're trying to get enough clients to work with us when the whole point of our program is to help you to get more clients. Like, what are you doing with your time, right? Um, And the program is built to get that ROI back. So I just have to wonder like where those decisions are coming from. They're coming from that desperation to make money, which means we make decisions out of desperation instead of decisions over what's the best way for me to like succeed at the highest level and hit my revenue goals. That's where I was going with that. Okay. So I don't want you to say yes to every request a client makes or any request a client makes. You can say, let me think on that. But I would really just prefer you say, no, I'm sorry, I don't offer that. And here's why. Because um, I find it to be really inefficient. Um, It ends up really fragmenting my day. And I find it's much better if we can keep our conversations in the container of our calls. All right. And if I see another person offering like unlimited, what is it? Um... I'm trying to remember what these apps are that people do, uh, these walkie-talkie apps support back and forth. I, I honestly, I, it's unreal to me. Um, please don't offer that. Nobody needs that. It's, it's just disorganized. It's just hectic. It's just taking your time. It's not value. It's people-pleasing. It's enabling. And it is not efficient. Okay? So that brings me to our fifth Um, sort of way that people-pleasing shows up for our service providers, and that is (laughs) enabling clients and creating codependency, which I've already mentioned and I was just talking about. Are you ready for a harsh truth? All right. Again, I'm going to repeat what I was saying earlier. The reason you people-please is not because you care about other people. It's because you want to control what other people think of you. Okay? 
I'm not saying you don't care about your clients. I'm not saying you're egotistical. I 100% believe that if you suffer from being a chronic people pleaser, you probably have amazing intentions and a huge heart and you care a lot. But I also 100% believe that you are very concerned about what other people think of you and you are giving away your power in all of these situations. People-pleasing leads to enabling and codependence. It leads to infantilizing your clients, treating them like children, um, and then they act like children. You bend over backwards because you want to feel needed. Let's be honest. You want It makes you feel important. It makes you feel valuable. And then this enables our clients to become more dependent on us, which is not our goal, instead of taking responsibility for themselves. This is not serving your clients. It's actually preventing them from getting the results they want. I'm going to say this once. People-pleasing does not give you what you want. It gives you the opposite of what you want. People-pleasing is dishonest. And it comes from fear. When I can tell that someone is trying to people please me, I instantly put my guard up and stop trusting them. I don't know what they really think or what their motivation is. And I feel like if I'm honest with them and I ask them for something, I'm going to end up taking advantage of them because they don't know where to say no, because they just overwhelm themselves with bending over backwards. This comes up sometimes, you know, uh, working with service providers. I've also had it come up in job interviews. So one of the reasons there's one person on our team that I remember when I interviewed her, my thing I loved about her is I could just tell from her responses that she was just being honest because she was telling me about real situations where she was frustrated with someone and what was going on and what she wished had to happen differently. And it wasn't this like perfectly wrapped in a bow thing. It wasn't her trying to find the right answer to make me happy. It was just the truth. And it was amazing. It was so refreshing. And that is how she is on the team as well. I just love it. It doesn't mean you have to be a straight shooter and you have to be like, rude and and brutally honest. That's not what we're talking about. That's like such a pendulum swing in the opposite direction. That's also problematic. It's just about being honest about what you want, what your boundaries are, and how you feel. So let's question this overwhelming concern about controlling what other people think of us. Let's dig into that. Why do you care if someone else likes you? Why are you making it mean if you do a thing that other people are going to like you? Because that's not going to happen. But also, so what if they don't like you? I had a revelation when I was in high school, and I feel very fortunate to have had this revelation. I remember it just occurred to me one moment. I was like, I think I was um, arriving at school in the morning, and I was getting out of my mom's car to walk into the school, and it just hit me that nobody else was thinking about me. They're all so consumed with themselves and what everyone was thinking about them. And I was like, oh my God, I'm free. Nobody gives an F about what I'm doing. I don't have to worry about it. They're all so self-conscious. I can just do whatever I want to do. And that is my hope for you. I would love for you to get to that place. Now, I want to share just a couple of examples of ways that we've seen this show up with our clients. And then in next week's episode, I'm going to share lots of examples of boundaries that our clients have set. That one's going to be amazing. You don't want to miss that episode. You know, we had a client who was really struggling to say no um, to clients she didn't want to work with and also to tell clients who she wanted to retire because she was refining her signature service and 
She realized that a couple of her clients on retainer, they weren't a good fit and she needed to make space for more clients. But she had this thing around like, but they're loyal and I, they're nice people and like they're good clients. And it's like, yeah, but like you don't do this service anymore. Like you don't owe someone your life because they're a good client, right? Like this is what we do with this. Like someone paid me a thousand dollars. So I have to be at their beck and call. Like what? Absolutely not. You have to do the thing that you promised and deliver the result that does not in any way, shape, or form mean that you need to check your email at 11.30 p.m. on a Friday, okay? Um, And that brings me to the second example is a client of ours who um, was caught in the trap of kind of self-sabotaging by checking her email when she knew that there's nothing that was going to be in her email inbox that was going to, like, be good. I know that sounds kind of harsh, but just, like, If a client emails you, then it's like this thing that you have to deal with. It's going to play in your head. You're not going to let it go. So like stop checking emails at times where it's not the time to handle the thing, right? If you see an email from a client and you know that if you read that email, you're not going to be able to respond right away. And even if you do think you can respond right away, I want you to resist opening the email. I want us to delay opening our emails. So that brings me to my challenge for you. And this is something I want you to practice before next week's episode is so that we can talk about specific boundaries, but I want you to play with this right now. I want you to say no to someone. I want you to back out of something. I want you to have a sort of gut level, like, "Mm, I don't want to do that, or "Mm, that's a no for me. It doesn't have to be logical. In fact, most of the time it's not. When we try to use our brains for these things, our brains will start to tell us all the reasons why we should do it. It's the right thing to do. I'm a good person. But if at gut level, you're thinking, you're feeling, that's a no. That's a no for me. I often call it like my bone feeling, just like, "Mm -mm, nope, that's not it. Then I want you to say no. So I'm practicing this a lot this year. I'm taking this to a new level where um, it's really causing me to honestly back out of things that I've already said yes to. And you might argue that's out of integrity. I would argue me following through with something that I know I shouldn't be doing and is a gut level no for me. That would be out of integrity to myself. I owe myself first before I owe anybody else. Okay. You do not owe anything to strangers on the internet and frankly, anyone else before you take care of yourself. So things can change. You could say yes one minute and then maybe two weeks later, you learn new information that suddenly makes you realize, ooh, that's actually not a good fit. You're allowed to back out of things. If that makes you cringe and your blood boil, then it's just showing the level of conditioning you have around being a good girl, doing the right thing. The right thing is the thing that is right for you, not what you are perceiving and projecting someone else wants for you. Now, next week, we're going to help you with these boundaries. We're going to get some specifics, okay? But I want you to be mulling this over for the, for the next seven days. Boundaries are the cure to people-pleasing. They're the thing that's going to give you what you want. We think people-pleasing is going to do it. It's actually boundaries. It's going to give you happy clients. It's going to have your clients respecting your time. Our clients who bend over backwards for their for their clients and they start setting boundaries, suddenly they have their clients thanking them for their time, thanking them for their work instead of constantly asking for more and more and more. It's amazing, okay? So we're going to talk about boundaries in a few different areas. We're going to talk about general business boundaries, customer service boundaries, client work boundaries, all kinds of things, Okay. But my challenge for you this week is just to say no. (laughs) Say no to people pleasing. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And I will chat with you next week. 
Yay. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you love today's content and are ready to finally start making a full-time income from your business this year, make sure to get on the wait list for my program, Yay for Clients, over at yayforclients.com, and you'll be notified the next time enrollment is open. Or if you're already booked with clients and you want to learn how you can turn your signature service into a signature program and add 100K of revenue to your bottom line, come apply to my group coaching program, Yay for 100K, over at courtneyshaw.com forward slash apply. Thanks again and have an awesome day.